Hello, welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in this special bonus episode, we are speaking with Lark Malachi Gray from The Gaily Prophet about the links between tarot and the alethiometer. This episode contains spoilers for the original trilogy and the Books of Dust, so if you've not read those, pop back when you're all caught up. Hello! Hello! Hello. Are you excited for this very special episode? I very much am. We've been trying to make it happen with... uh the gaily prophet or hashtag ruthless productions as they are known collectively yes. uh, for a long time so yeah i'm excited very excited I'm so excited yeah it has been probably a year or so in the making because we're all just such busy people <laughs> so we are just chatting to lark who is one half of hashtag ruthless productions and the gaily prophet Jesse couldn't make it. Uh, we've been trying to make this happen for ages uh, and we couldn't get all four of us on a Zoom call together, but we loved trying to lark and we're hoping to get Jesse on an, on an episode or do something with Jesse in the future for sure. Yes, yeah. And Lark is the resident tarot specialist, having created his own deck of tarot and also being a professional tarot reader. So we felt like Lark was the perfect person to get into the nitty gritty of symbolism with and have a fun kind of tarot chat, approaching it from the point of view of, I know not a lot about tarot, but I find it really fun and interesting. And it's the same kind of thing about tarot that attracts me to all the chats we have about the alethiometer and Faye being a total newbie to the concept. So yes, it was so much fun. Yeah, it was great. And uh, if you want to hear more of the three of us, there is an episode coming out on the Gaily Profits feed, I believe pretty soon, uh, where it has the three of us talking about the links between demons and Patronuses. Yes, that was so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. Go over to the Gaily Prophets feed for that. It was just a great chat all round. Yeah, it was super great. Shall I do like a cute little formal bio moment for us? For yes, those of you who please. haven't heard of the Gaily Prophet or Hashtag Ruthless Productions. Well, would you like to read Hashtag Ruthless Productions and I will read Lark's personal bio? That sounds perfect. Okay. Hashtag Ruthless Productions are the creators of very queer, very nerdy podcasts. The Gaily Prophet is their Harry Potter podcast. Escape from Reality is about the Simon Snow series. And their newest creation, the Gay Pirate podcast, is about Our Flag Means Death. They also host a Patreon-only Buffy podcast called We Are the Gayers. A great name for a Buffy podcast. They are all amazing podcast names. <laughs> I cannot believe how many podcasts they have. It is incredible. I... Cannot wait to listen to the Our Flag Means Death podcast, mm -hmm. uh, the gay pirate podcast that they do. Um, we have yet to receive the glory that glorious content in the UK on any of our streaming services. So I am just waiting. I think Channel 4 might be having it. So I, the moment that airs, I will be listening to this podcast alongside. <laughs> Thank you for reading that bio, Rich. It was great. And I will read Lark's bio for everybody. So Lark Malachi Gray is a queer and trans artist. He is a full-time podcast maker and the creator of a gender-free tarot deck of monsters called Under the Bed Tarot. And in the episode, we ask Lark to tell you all where you can find uh, his tarot deck so you'll have all the information. And we'll put all the links um, to hashtag Ruthless Productions and Lark's own website, etc., etc., in the show notes. So make sure you go and check that out and just check out all of their podcasts because they're all great and so much fun and they have some excellent conversations so make sure to go and listen they produce some of the podcasts that i enjoy listening to the most i am quite far behind on the gaily prophet but the moment i started listening to them i was like we need to do a crossover and now we finally have yes <laughs> yes uh but yeah we won't keep you any longer we hope you really enjoy this episode yes Let's get into it. Yeah. Well, 
Hi, Locke. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about this. Oh, we are so excited too. to have you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and also shout out to Jessie, who, who couldn't make it. We are sad not to have her here, but um, hopefully one day in the future we'll get to speak to both of you. Yes. We are here to chat about all things symbolism and alethiometry, mostly because Locke has a great relationship with tarot. If you would like to tell us a little bit about your relationship to tarot, and we know that you've built your own deck, which means you've gone like deep into like all the symbolism that lives there. And it, we know that there's probably a lot of crossovers with that and alethiometer stuff, but just thought it'd be nice to get like a little intel on you and your understanding of tarot and how uh, we might be able to kind of have a look at that in terms of understanding some symbolism and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I honestly don't know much about tarot at all. So if you could also explain to me and I'm sure many listeners what it is and what it means, that would be great. Sure. Okay, let's start there. So tarot is a divination tool. Um it's made up of 78 cards. There's 22 math. Um, it starts with zero. So like I always am like ends at 21, but there's 22 of them. Uh, 22 major arcana cards that are our main like archetypes. There's a lot like that you can understand about tarot from like interacting with some of Jung's work. So like, especially in terms of like his work on like archetypes. So those are like the capital letter cards. Like when those cards come up, it's like done. This is happening. All you can do is like, a f you know, work to control how it plays out in your life. But like, there's not really any question of whether or not it's like coming for you you know which sounds ominous but often it's very good um and then there are four suits which are each made up of 14 cards very similar to playing cards but with an extra like royal basically um and those all represent like life situations you know they can speak to whatever you're asking about they're like here's the information that you need here's some advice here's like what you can reflect on um the suits are uh wands cups swords and pentacles wands are about like your chutzpah you're like <laughs> that ineffable thing that is like how you are in the world um cups are about feelings obviously swords are like the the mind um and pentacles are resources so also you can be like wands are fire cups are water swords are air pentacles are earth or you can be like wands are gryffindors cups are slytherins swords are ravenclaws and pentacles are hufflepuffs uh, you know, there's lots of ways that you can think about it, but that's like the gist of it. So like a swords card is going to be telling you about like brain stuff, mind stuff, um, whereas pentacles are going to be talking to you about like home and family and finances and, you know, the things that make you feel rooted and settled. I started getting into tarot when I was probably like, 13 maybe um my mom was always sort of into that like new agey 90s like crystals and like tarot 101 kind of stuff and i was like yeah i want to know about that too also i was like really big into like paganism when i was 13 like i got detention a bunch of times for just like having books on paganism in school <laughs> um at public school which seems like it should not be allowed but right. whatever <laughs> um, but um so it like really fit with with that too and i just spent a bunch of time like reading about it and like doing readings for myself and like was really interested but never really like clicked with it and then um, started trying really hard to relate to tarot when I was in my, like, 
mid twenties and was like doing all this research and all this reading and still was like not getting it. And then I finally got a tarot deck that wasn't the like standard, like Rider White tarot deck. Um, and a deck that doesn't have people in it, which apparently is really important for me. Like I cannot relate to tarot decks with people. And it was all of a sudden, like my brain was like, you know, a bunch about tarot. Good job. <laughs> um, and I started doing readings for friends and stuff like that. And then once I felt really confident in that and was like, yeah, I make people cry like 75% of the time doing a good job, like <laughs> really know how to just interact with these cards. And I started reading professionally. And yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, maybe I should design a tarot deck. And my partner was like, fucking yes, do that right now. And right now is now like three years later, I am desperately trying to get everything finished to send. I keep sending it to the printers and they keep being like, this is still wrong. And now I'm like going to cry. But that's that's where I'm at now. The deck is fully funded on Kickstarter and will be like here in physical form, hopefully by October. So that's so exciting. That's incredible. Oh, Thank you. Amazing. So before we, we get into, you know, the, the similarities with Tara, the alethiometer, I'd love to ask you, about your relationship with his dark materials like when did you get into it how has it impacted your life so i didn't read it until i was an adult i think i was in my like early 20s pretty sure it was when i was living in new orleans so i would have been like 24 25 somewhere in there i don't think for any particular reason aside from maybe the name like I am, I am, a, I'm a, I'm just a baby. Um, I don't, I can't have like scary things. I don't watch scary movies. I like can't do it. And so like his dark materials was like very intimidating for me. <laughs> um, even though like my, like still now BFF from starting from seventh grade, who is actually my co-host Jesse's wife, um, was really into those books when we were in middle school and was like, you should, you should read these. And I was like, mm no <laughs> i'm just not doing that um and then at some point i decided to um and was like oh yes these are very good and exactly my flavor of media and i love them and so i just have read them a bunch since then yeah i don't have a great relationship with the like new round of books that are coming out yeah read the first one and was like no thank you and then I started reading the second one and was like so upset about it that I went through the very complicated process of returning a Kindle book Ooh. and was like no I'm not giving Philip Pullman $12 for this book I'm very angry about it so you know it's funny we we were talking about this earlier like we have similar feelings like I feel I personally am angry that there were no content warnings in place in the particular books that I read like I don't know if it's different for other copies or on Kindle but I was I didn't know what I was getting into and I wish that I had known what I was getting into because I would have maybe made the choice not to read them yeah you did give me a content warning Faye which I was very grateful for but it did mean that the moment you were like watch out for this when 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 this scenario is occurring and then actually it's quite a lot of chapters <laughs> I was just really on edge for a really long time when I was reading it but yeah, we are currently in like halfway through the last book of the first trilogy. Partway through, like literally we've just hit the halfway point on The Amber Spyglass and we are get, trying to work out if and how we will approach those books when we get to them because it's we don't know if we want to direct people to read them if they haven't yet. So we'll, we'll see how we do. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, and it wasn't, I didn't look up spoilers for the second book, obviously, because I bought it. And it was honestly just the like part where I started getting like the sense that Lyra and what's his face were going to like get together. And I was like, ew, is this happening? And like skipped ahead and was like, no, thank you. Yeah. And then I looked up spoilers and was like, oh, and like more terrible things are going to happen. Never mind. I'm not reading this mm. book. So mm. anyway, I love the first three, though. Super, super big fan. Fun, fun fact, you may have missed that page because you didn't get there. But Phil also throws loads of shade at Tarot in one of the in one of the chapters. Interesting. He's like, um, 
there's this deck of cards you can use that also helps you connect to dust. And Lara's like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, is it going to be tarot? That's going to be so fun. And he's like, not tarot, that's cheap trickery. But this other deck of cards that I made up. (laughs) And I was like, damn it, Phil. That's (laughs) so weird. Um, I have a book called like The Science of His Dark Materials. I think that he was like loosely involved with, but it's mostly these two like physicists or something that wrote it. It's great. It's a very, very fun book. But that book also has some like tarot shade in it that I was like, but why? Why? Like. it's the same like it's the same thing i don't understand i wrote an entire book series about having like a way of communicating with like the wider machinations of the universe but this thing that actually exists in our world that people can use to do that and find ways to like frame and like find these frames of reference for themselves no that's bullshit but my thing (laughs) my book series (laughs) right but like the i ching is real Right? Like, if it's, like, Eastern, then, like, it's legit somehow. But, like, tarot is European, so it's, like, not legit, Mm. which feels very, like, fetishizing, you know? Like, why? Why? They're not... They're just two tools for divination. Which is, like, I don't know, a thing that... A complaint that Jesse and I have about Harry Potter, too, where it's, like, you can imagine a world with, like witchcraft and patronuses and like jk rowling very much cared about like the zodiac signs that she gave to all of the characters and yet like divination class is like the biggest joke in the book and you're like (laughs) that that's real in this world like why is that a joke in your magic world when it's like the only thing that's like a crossover that like real witches irl can do this is so weird (laughs) i don't understand very strange it's like where is where's the logic behind these i I just just maybe they maybe he just got like a bad tarot reading at one point and now it's just like bitter about it. I don't know. (laughs) On a vendetta against Tara for that one reading. (laughs) So when you first read the books and especially as you're saying, like as a kid that was like, you knew of Tara, you had interacted with it before you read the His Dark Materials books. Did you find, feel like a kinship with Lyra when she starts reading the Alethiometer and like finding all this meaning and symbolism that like the adults couldn't see or that like it takes a lot of skill and like books to read up on for like other people. Did you feel kind of like a kinship with Lyra in those moments when you were like, yes, I too have an affinity with this like divination tool. Like this is, this is really cool. I, it definitely, I mean, it's, it's been like a while since I was 24. Um, so it's like a little hard <laughs> to remember my first read, but um, I definitely have always thought about tarot when interacting with the the scenes of the alethiometer 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 yeah cool great um yeah and especially with the like sort of you know different it's like you can have a book and you can like memorize all of these meanings but unless you like understand how to interact with them like intuitively it doesn't really do you that much good especially because context is so important for like what the meaning is and i think that the alethiometer is a little bit more what word am i looking for that starts with r um redactive no anyway it's like a little more like there's only sort of like one right answer but like being able to sort of like prescriptive Reductive? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) reductive, maybe. Anyway, like, you know, how many times does it land on one thing? That means it's, like, meaning for, and, like, somehow, I mean, I guess that's how tarot works, too, of, like, the the magic thing knows, like, how the book is written, how the book is constructed. So, like, it knows what number four is because it's in the collective unconscious. Um, And I don't know, like, some of the examples that I read when I was looking into it for this were, like, here's like how it would answer this question and be like, it lands on this three times and then this four times. And it basically turns into like, you know, like you wait seven, you know, like it just was like these, and it's like, you just string the words together and you have a sentence without like the words that put the words together. Um, Which is a little bit less interesting, I think. Um, Whereas with tarot, it's more like, 
okay, I know what this card means and the different ways that it can, you know, the different kinds of things it can mean in like a reading about, you know, a relationship versus like a situation or like, you know, whatever, like it, the way that it shifts. But then also it's like, is it upright or reversed? What are the cards around it? What position in the spread is it? And that's all like really intuitive. And I think that Lyra reads it intuitively, um, you know, because sometimes she's like, it's a thousand meanings down. And definitely she is not looking at this thing for so long that she's counting a thousand clicks on like a single symbol. Like, that's ridiculous. And you could do a tarot reading where you just have your book open in your lap and you're like, okay, that like that card means this in this position and then that cards me that in that position and like get this very you know not in depth but like probably still somewhat useful answer i feel like i got off on a tangent hopefully i answered your question it was it was very <laughs> <Yes>. interesting <laughs> cool. it, it, it made me think as again as somebody who knows very little about tara with the alethiometer that lyra possesses like a certain skill that we never really know what that is to to read the alethiometer and then she loses the ability uh, at the end of the amber spyglass how does that relate to tarot can anyone learn how to read tarot do you feel like there is more to it than because obviously you mentioned you know you could just open the book and point at whatever card and read the explanation how do you feel about that is there like could and could i do it you know <laughs> yes um Hmm. I don't know if you could do a reading for like someone else. I think that you could do a reading for yourself. Like tarot is like your, I don't want to say sentient, but like your deck has like an energy. It's like, it's not just an inanimate object. So if you have like a terrible relationship with your deck or you're like, tarot is bullshit, shuffle, 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 answer my question. Like you're probably just going to get like a fuck you from the tarot. Like you're just going to like pull the tower, you know, and be like, oh, no. Um, But as long as you're open and receptive and you're able to like get in tune with your cards and like hold a question in your mind, I think that it will provide you with a piece of information that you need. And then you can look that up, think about what it brings up for you and probably get some use out of it. Like you could probably even lay a complicated spread like the Celtic clock cross um, and do your best to figure out what everything means. That's like, it's a really standard um, spread, but it uses like, 12 cards or something it's like very it's so much information i never use that that spread because i'm like who needs this much information (laughs) um you know if you've got a journal and a book and you've got the time like i think that pretty much anyone could figure that out but being like a good tarot reader and being able to understand what the cards are saying for someone else and especially if you don't know what their question is because a lot of times people don't they're like i'm gonna test you i'm not gonna tell you what my question is about and you know so being able to look at the cards and be like okay so like what's up with your dad um (laughs) that's like skill i think that a lot of people can develop that skill but i suspect that there are probably some people that can't i don't know i know that for me i very I, I feel like I'm kind of like a, a very much a mid-ground between the two of you like Faye you said you kind of have like haven't interacted with tarot much at all Lark you've like built a whole deck you read tarot professionally I am in a situation where I just like adore a lot of the artwork that exists on tarot cards and there's a lot of artists that I'm big fans of that have made their own decks that I've collected and then I'm like I've, a, I've tried to do some readings mostly for myself and I've found it really useful as like a tool for just like literally sitting and having like a really reflective time with myself to like sit and be like cool this is what I think is a problem that I'm gonna have to think about in like over the next month or whatever let's see what things I should be thinking about with that what does reading this bring up for me like and again I'm the person sitting there with the book on my lap 
but I'm really enjoying also reading and being like, cool, this is what this says. How's the artist done that with the way that they've constructed the card? Like I do the thing where you look at the card to begin with and be like, what do I think it means before I even look at the book? Like, what does it bring up for me personally? And then like sitting there and just having this like moment of like kind of calmness and introspection to try and figure something out for myself or like see what like a new perspective can bring to me, which I think is... Potentially, again, like maybe kind of in a similar way to how Lara quite often sits there and she's like, I actually don't know what to do next. I need some outside sources of information to help me figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get good at tarot, too. Like you're doing exactly what you should be. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I hate that she loses the I mean, a, I hate that, like, demon fixing and all sorts of things are like tied to having sex in those books. It's fucking weird. Are mm-hmm. you a swearing podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we are. Okay, Don't great. You worry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like so, it's so, it's so weird. I hate it so much. Um, but also, like, there's no, there's no reason that, like, loss of innocence should, like, take this skill from her. And it also is, like, so weird because it sort of takes it from being like oh like lyra is special she has this like relationship with this this tool and you know she's like this chosen one she's prophesized you know and then it's like oh no it's actually just because she was a kid literally any kid could have done this you know it's just because she was innocent it's like was she innocent like she has been through some shit is it really just having sex for the first time that makes you lose your innocence because like Mm. that's weird Mm. i don't know what's like uninnocent about having sex as a teenager also like i think that that's good and fine and doesn't change anything about you aside from like whether or not you're happy with the level of orgasms you're having (laughs) like whatever teens have sex that's fine yeah it also feels like counterproductive to the message of the books because like we know that philip palmer had like a bit of a vendetta against uh c.s lewis for example who like kicked all the kids out of narnia when they grew up and was like nah you grew up too fast you can't come back to narnia you can't be magic anymore not not if you're going to be a grown-up like and so part of the whole thing of the his dark materials books is like why do we feel that there is a loss of innocence why do we feel that sin is a thing that we're even worried about like it's calling out all these structures that are in place and then phil gives his main character an almost identical punishment to c.s lewis kicking the kids out of narnia also he like hates the church and then is like purity culture for everyone like (laughs) what buddy what just happened (laughs) i like also hate the vibe of the chosen one trope that when it's used in his dark materials is kind of okay you have got this journey you've got this ability that's going to help you on this journey as soon as this journey's done we're taking that away obviously the loss of innocence comes into it as well as we just discussed but just like giving her this skill to be then it's basically they're just using her for this like higher power whatever you want to call it to be like we'll give you this skill as soon as it's all done we're taking it back yeah you don't get to actually like keep the payment (laughs) you don't see that in like harry potter or like buffy you know like harry doesn't stop being a wizard when he defeats voldemort buffy doesn't lose her super strength and her slayer abilities when she defeats the first like it's it's very strange and it's almost like a punishment and i'm just not here for it no no she should have been like adopted by the witches and just like lived a happy gay life it would have been super so good petition for will to be a girl also anyway yes 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 (laughs) would be a great girl (laughs) one of the things that popped up for me as i was thinking about tarot stuff with you is um I know there's a lot of focus in the His Dark Materials books on like special objects and we were just discussing some of the themes of the uh, suits in tarot. I was wondering if any of the major objects in His Dark Materials like the alethiometer, the amber spyglass and the subtle knife, it would be really nice if there's a fourth one that I could think of. (laughs) Um, But that like perhaps they align with the different suits in a way that like resonates with you or even if they like particularly each object Maybe one of them feel like they feel aligned with any of the major arcana that you can think of that like have that similar kind of usefulness. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. Like I feel like the subtle knife feels 
very aligned with the death card because it's literally opening and closing doors, which is what that card is all about is like something is ending and something new is beginning. Um, There's, you know, really big change involved, but it's necessary change. And, you know, on a small scale, the subtle knife is, you know, just taking you between worlds and sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's not, but like large scale, something really huge is happening every time you do that. And also something really huge has to happen as a result of, of doing that. The Amber Spyglass feels like the card that in my deck is called Reckoning. That's usually called, I've just like wiped the normal (laughs) names for the cards that I renamed in my deck. Um, Judgment, which is the second to last card in the Major Arcana, which is like, you're looking at sort of everything. You're like almost to the end you need to like big picture, like see what is and make a choice about how you're going to move forward as a result of it. And like choose the best op, like the best version of you, if you're going to reach, you know, the world, the final card. And I think the alethiometer just has to be this, the psychic, the high priestess, because, you know, that's all about tuning into the universe and what it has to say and intuition and the things that you, that you know, without thinking about it, basically. Amazing. I guess now I've got you on this track. uh, One of my little notes was like, whether we felt that any of the characters fit in with the archetypes that are expressed in the major arcana, like whether there's, um, do you feel that like, Azriel has like big hierophant energy or <laughs> I anything that I love this question. I was so excited. <laughs> tell us. I would love to fire some characters at you and get some get some cards back. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I Azriel specifically, and I'm gonna talk about reversals. I know not everyone talks about reversals or reads with reversals with tarot, but I think that they're really important. For Faye, reversals is when you turn the card over and it's upside down. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And so they they mean essentially the opposite in their reverse okay. positions as they do in their upright positions, but it's a little more complicated than that. So I would argue that he is the uh emperor reversed. So the emperor is which is also how we read Dumbledore when we do our tarot episodes of the Gaily Prophet. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so yeah, the emperor is like sort of stable it's this very like warm comforting reliable energy but in the reverse position it's just like the like bad dad card basically it's controlling and single-minded and is like i know what's best everybody else needs to get in line i am like not having anyone else's opinions like we are doing this my way or not at all that sounds pretty as real to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i think so you asked about the hierophant right yeah i think just for me that was i guess the hierophant more feels magisterium you know that i think about it but also i have very little understanding (laughs) no that's totally that's totally right i think it can't be Azrael like because he's just like doing his own thing um which is what the hierophant reversed is about but like that's in a more positive light like the hierophant reversed is like you know black sheep of the family like you you're doing what you're gonna do but it's like in a good way you know like getting getting the hierophant reversed you're like yeah good job like you you do you you know fuck the system (laughs) burn it all down great job um which i don't think we could say that that's what is happening with Azriel, but i do think that that's mary yes. right yeah mm-hmm. yeah yep, yep, she's yep. like smash all these computers and go into a different universe by <laughs> yeah hierophant reversed <laughs> <laughs> how how'd she feel about mrs coulter where would she say she's a very complicated lady <laughs> she is so many reversals that I'm going to talk about. I think she's um, the magician reversed. So 
magician is a card of create creative energy like manifestation you're like doing alchemy you're you're making what you want to be real in the world um but one of the ways one of the things that it means in reverse is that energy being put to ill use and also like other people's uses and i think that both of those like she is using it using the energy that she has like that sort of gift from the universe she's using it to bad ends but also she's like being manipulated to use it to bad ends so i think that's really where where she's at that makes a lot of sense damn it mrs coulter (laughs) (laughs) it's like why you gotta be so hot but also so evil (laughs) i guess we've got to do the big two where do we feel like lyra and will sit so Lyra and Will, I think, are both just going to be the fool. Um, like, this is their journey. And these people, like the grownups that we're talking about, are showing up as these archetypes in the journeys of Lyra and Will, basically. They're just like on a, on a, someone set them at the top of a hill on a bike and just pushed. And they're just like, here I go. <laughs> you know, like, there's not, you know, I think they're, they're going through the fool's journey. So like they're going to hit moments where they're like in chariot mode or where they're at in death or the tower a lot. They spend a lot of time in the tower and like towards, you know, the end, like they go through like the moon, the sun reckoning the world. Um, But those are all more like situation cards as opposed to like person cards you know that makes sense i guess like as archetypes that will and lyra bump into along the way then we could potentially try and find cards for yorick and lee scoresby balloon dad yes so exactly uh lee is the empress i think that's very clear lee like lee is like I'm dying for my daughter. Like, I don't know. That is like parental energy. That is like soft parental energy. I've, yeah, like having, having a rabbit demon, you know, it just all feels very like if Lee was able to like settle down, he would have the most beautiful garden, you know? Yeah. That is, that is Empress energy. (laughs) He would too. (laughs) Um, and then Yorick, I think is, the magician upright sort of in his own quest i don't i think for lyra he's probably more the emperor upright um you know this like stable energy that's like always going to be there for you and like take on anything that he can to like make your life and your journey easier um but he's also in his own fool's journey throughout this book. And I think that he's he's definitely the magician because he is like creating himself, you know. He like makes his own armor. Like that is super, super magician energy. Yes. Uh, we love that. Just anything for Fair Dad and Balloon Dad, basically. I'm glad they got cards that made us feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it is worth kind of asking about a little bit about things within the alethiometer. I guess, did your copy of the book have a picture of the alethiometer on the front or did you read on Kindle? So it would have been Northern Lights, right? Yeah, or the Golden Compass because America. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we're we're too silly here for uh, what were like poetic titles. I don't know why. Um, I feel like... I feel like it did. I'm pretty sure that my physical copy no longer has a cover, um, much like with many books that I like a lot. I'm not gentle with my books. so Because <laughs> um, I was just wondering, I know that when I was reading the book, uh, whenever Lyra reads the alethiometer and a symbol comes up, I would close the book and I'd look for that symbol to be like, oh, what does it look like? What do I think about it? Um, and there's like a lot of like things that we get given some of the meanings for. And I was wondering if any of them like stood out to you as things that we have like a big crossover with in in the symbolism that we see within tarot. For example, we've got like the loop comes up, which I feel like is the fool carrying a loop in like the classic Rider Waite tarot. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Um, and there's like, uh, I don't know, there's just like a lot of like crossover symbolism. And I wonder if there's anything major that kind of springs to mind for you in terms of, I've got a list here of like what we think the alethiometer symbols mean, but obviously we don't have um, meanings for all of them. Phil's not given us them, but there's this fun like poster that came out that has like the top three meanings of each symbol. We have like the hourglass, which has like time, death and change. And like, I know you said that when death comes up in tarot, it usually is signaling like changing and opening of doors and stuff. So like the hourglass with the skull is one of the main things we actually hear Phil talk about in the books. And that feels like the most direct crossover between like the meaning and the and the meanings within tarot. Yeah, there are there are some that are like definitely the same. The moon, I think, is a really interesting one because it's the same in both. And in both cases, it's like not what we usually think about with the moon. You know, we're like the, the moon, like witchy, like the mother. And, you know, it's this like beautiful symbol of like, femininity in a non-gendered way and like sort of like care and growth and like whatever but in both the alethiometer and in tarot the moon is like ah like what's happening i'm confused like just like mystery and like sort of an uncomfortable feeling of like being off track you know and so i thought that was really interesting that that lines up between the two of them almost like maybe phil looked at meanings of tarot cards when he was writing the alethiometer <laughs> and then decided to throw shade at it i don't know <laughs> Just thinking. can you imagine <laughs> could be so we also have things like uh the madonna symbol is on there for like motherhood and the feminine i figured that that probably lines up quite well with is it the empress that you said had big motherly energy was it the empress yeah remember. yeah yeah it is yeah, yeah. sort of like nurturing parental energy because again i'm like very committed to like de-gendering these ideas mm. you know mm. so like in my deck that card is the nurturer like that's like the big the main takeaway you know is like who gives the best hugs like that's what that card is about yes, yes. love that <laughs> no i do love that when i've when i've sat with cards before i've kind of been like the sometimes the gendering of the cards is throwing me off when I'm trying to read it because I'm like it'll be like a male presence in your life has this that and the other it's like well but what if they don't or what if that's just not what that who that person is like why am I filtering through all the guys I know when actually it could be any number of people like yeah exactly <laughs> why have you applied this filter to the way that I'm trying to think about this that honestly was like one of my main reasons for wanting to make a tarot deck is that there just aren't that many gender free tarot decks out there and most of the ones that are like really frequently talked about again have people in them which is like not a thing that i vibe with so i was like let's make a people free gender free deck for folks i think swords are used the same in the alethiometer and in tarot like they're very like justice representation yes i have here sword justice fortitude the church yeah, that <laughs> one's weird. Things. <laughs> <laughs> we also have uh, one that I thought was an interesting crossover because um, the Thunderbolt is for inspiration, fate, and chance. And the only place I can think I can envision a Thunderbolt on a tarot deck is the Tower, which is, as you've mentioned, like kind of like a uh oh, card. right? It's like destruction <laughs> and upheaval. Yeah. I noted that too. I was like, wow, those are like opposite. I would definitely not. From if you're thinking just tarot, I would not be like, oh, yeah, this means like, aha, you know, especially as you've already got like, I would, I, I mean, it's not like there's a light bulb on there on the on the alethiometer, but maybe I would have maybe put that with the candle. I don't know. We also have symbolism of like, there's quite a lot of food on there. We've got like the uh, the bread and the apple. and I'm not sure how much food appears across a lot of the like traditional tarot decks. But it feels like there are a lot of there's a lot of messaging within there of like um is it particularly with like pentacles there's like the a lot of the ideas with resources of like which card is it there's the people like standing outside the window I think it might be the three of pentacles the five the five yeah and like an idea of like there being like plentiful or like little resources and that kind of fits with the symbolisms of the 
uh, bread in the Alethiometer deck. We've got like nourishment and then Christ and sacrifice. Yeah, for someone who just like detests Christianity, there's like so much Christian symbolism on the Alethiometer, which I'm like, what is happening? But then I wonder if there's a conversation to be had there about like who made the Alethiometers? Was it the Magisterium? Is that why the symbolism is so heavy on Christianity and stuff? And then like, I don't know a ton about the origins of Tarot itself and like what imagery we're drawing from there in terms of like a lot of the like choices of the meanings behind the symbols in the cards. Who is writing the things we're using? <laughs> right. who's, create, who's crafting these? Right. Like if the Magisterium made the Alethiometer, it makes sense that like some of the top meanings are going to be like real like obvious symbolisms within Catholicism. <laughs> yeah, no, that does make sense. That was fun for me to listen to. I was vibing with that. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to do some tarot readings babe. <laughs> yeah i would love that i think well one of the questions coming from me who um like i said is kind of a newbie to all of this if for anyone interested from this conversation in tarot however they like might choose to engage with it do you have any like resources that you might suggest for them to get into it um or anything like that um i don't know if you know this but i made a tarot deck <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, of course, of of course, course. of course. Aside from making a gender-free deck, my other goal with making my deck was that there aren't a lot of decks that aren't based in the Rider White deck that are beginner-friendly. And so making a beginner-friendly tarot deck where people don't need to learn everything about the Rider White deck to be able to like... Because I feel like with a lot of tarot tarot decks that aren't Rider White inspired, you need to know what the card means before you can use the deck. Like, it has the vibe, but like, you're not going to just look at it and be like, I get what this vibe is trying to convey necessarily, which is not a bad thing. Like, they're very beautiful and I think very useful. Um, They're just not very beginner friendly. So, I did try very hard to make my deck beginner friendly. So, I would point people there, not just because I'm trying to like plug my own work, but because I I want more people to not have to interface with the Rider White deck before they can start reading tarot. Cause I think it's overly complicated and like just like rooted in systems of society that I think we need to be getting away from. But I think aside from under the bed tarot, I do think that really your only option is like starting from not necessarily the classic Rider White deck, but like there's tons of like, you know, queered version where it's like basically the same card, but like there's more kinds of people represented. There's like more modern representations of the symbols and stuff like that. So I think decks like that can can be really helpful. And then you just be the the other positive of that is that any tarot guide you're going to find on the internet is going to be referencing the Rider White deck. So if you're like looking at a tarot deck where it's just like, I don't know, like flowers, you know, you're going to be reading the definitions online. It'll be like the salamanders on the knight's outfit represent fire and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, there's no salamanders here. You know? so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you remind people where they can get hold of your deck? Yeah. Uh, LarkMalachi.com which is M-A-L-A-K-A-I, not the standard spelling. Maybe if you just search under the bed tarot on Google, it'll come up. Probably. You'll you'll probably get to my Kickstarter that way, which then links through to my website. It's also just for sale. um, Where you can buy it is in the podcast uh, store. So hashtag ruthless.com slash shop. Excellent. Nice. I feel like you are the most qualified person we have ever asked this question to it's a question we ask towards the end of every single podcast episode and that is if you could ask the alethiometer one question what would it be because you know the kinds of questions to ask (laughs) um my answer to this is like so depressing but it is the only one that i could think of that i would actually ask something as like able to give a direct response as the alethiometer, which is like, should I, it's too late, I'm 35, but should I start trying to save for retirement or is the apocalypse going to come before that's relevant? 
Oh <laughs> my god, question. that is the best answer we have ever had to that because I would love to know that so much. Just tell right. me. I would That'd really so love good. to know that. Like, should I have fun with this money or like, am I going to be able to live past 65? Is there a point? Let's find out. <laughs> oh, that's such a good one. I love that. Thanks. That's so perfect. I guess we. I, I want to throw in the knife question too, just because you give such good answers. Uh, we also ask people, if you had the subtle knife, what kind of a world would you want to cut through to? It doesn't have to be from... Phil's universe. It can be anywhere. It can be any kind of world. I make my second Chuck Tingle reference of this episode, but like, <laughs> it, this is so funny for anyone who's like, a who is Chuck Tingle and is about to look it up. You're just gonna find like gay dinosaur erotica author, and you're that is not going to give you the real answer to this question. <laughs> but like, so his whole thing, like, he's very into timelines. So I actually think that this applies really well like everything that he talks about is like creating a better timeline and like you do that by proving that love is real just anytime you have a choice to make make the choice that proves love and like create the timeline you want to live inside of i want to live inside of the chuck tingle timeline where we all are just proving love all the time that's really nice that's really sweet i like that Two great answers. Yeah. Thank you. Two really Amazing. good answers. <laughs> and actually links quite well into the amazing project that Lark has been working on recently that we definitely want to talk a lot about. Um, we will definitely be referring to this uh, going forward. It's like a great resource to check out. This is the Fandom Forward Best Practice in Fan Organising Guide that Lark has helped to write. I would love for you to tell us more about it because we know it's going to be a super useful resource for us as fan creators that exist. Like we we, we shall be referring to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm like so honoured to have been able to be part of it. Um, so it's it was headed up by Fandom Forward and in partnership with um, Black Nerds Create, um, they got together and were like, what if we just like made a guide to like help people prove love, like help people be the best fan organizers that we can be? And then they reached out to folks that are you know, publicly already doing that kind of work, which is how Jesse and I got looped in um because of our like you know guide to firing jk rowling and um some of the conversations we've had about like joss whedon and stuff like that um and so yeah we just had like a bunch of meetings about like what's the most important things like what how do we create better fandoms how do we connect fandoms to one another how do we like make safe spaces how do we use our platforms for good and established four key areas um which i probably should pull up because i'm not going to remember them okay yes so they are intentionality accountability imagination and community care and then each of these is like you know broken down into several subcategories and we like brainstormed the importance of each of those. And then we sat down and we wrote basically essays, guides for each one. And I am so proud of how it came out. I just think it's like so useful. And we've heard from people like the whole spectrum of fandom from like, you know, wizard rock creators to like people who are running 10 person D&D groups to, you know, people with like huge platforms being like this is so this is so helpful and that just feels really cool it's such a wonderful thing for sure because i think sometimes especially in in the podcast realm where i think for rich and i we kind of expected to have like not many listeners and then when it grows and you kind of feel as the two creators of, of that that you obviously have a responsibility and sometimes you feel like you're scrambling a little bit to try and do the best that you can do. And I think it's really amazing to have something like this to like refer to. So yeah, thank you. Thank you to all of you for creating it. Yeah, yeah we will be linking to the guide in the show notes. So for anybody that is thinking about the way that they currently engage in the fandoms that they're a part of, or if they're thinking about 
doing the very exciting and scary journey that we're on of starting a podcast, it's a really, really handy resource to like just kind of check in with and be like, am I going about this in a way that feels like it's going to be right for everybody? I honestly feel too that it's sort of like in a lot of ways, just like a really good guide for like life, you know, like Mm. because some of the things are just like really universally applicable like there's a thing that's just like how do how do you apologize right you know I love we all section. need to know yes. how to apologize <laughs> yeah, right thank you i wrote that one um yeah. <laughs> but like there's yeah there's so many pieces of this that are like how to be a good person in the world you know at one point uh i like i was co-working on this with uh just one of the the fandom forward leaders and we were joking that we should just have each section end with like a tldr that was just don't be a dick like that's really yeah. what this comes down to it's a guide to how, to how to not be a dick and i think that that's so important absolutely 100% yeah I mean Lark thank you so much for joining us it was honestly such a pleasure to have you thank you so much for having me this was this was so fun so fun yeah we need to make up some kind of excuse to collab again in the future I'm sure we'll have more things to talk about but yeah it was really wonderful (laughs) to have you I know that Jesse when we first started talking to you folks about doing collaboration like a year and a half ago um was like i want to wait until book three to like guest on their podcast so if you want to just like have her on for an episode i very much encourage you because this is where she wants we've hit the halfway point we'll tell her just pick a chapter yeah anytime yeah, anytime absolutely <laughs> the same goes for you pick a chapter anytime <laughs> okay yeah we're, i'm down we've just yeah. hit chapter 20 so you've not got many left <laughs> well you've got like 19 it's still quite a lot <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. There's eight, a lot. <laughs> eight chapters. But yeah, just let us know. You're both welcome anytime. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. Well, wasn't that fun? That was so much fun. It was so much fun. I truly hope that folks who have listened to this have come out the other side thinking, oh, tarot sounds fun. I might have a look at that. I mean, I definitely did. It taught me a lot, a lot about tarot because I've always been quite like a spooky bitch. It, it's always been on my radar, but um, it was it was really good to learn from somebody that's uh, well versed in it. Yeah, and I genuinely think like even if you're not super interested in the reading of the tarot in the same way as you would the alethiometer, which is what our whole conversation was about, there's so much meat in terms of like the meanings of the cards and like the archetypes that they interact with and one of my favorite parts of that conversation was asking Locke about which hdm characters resonated with which cards for him because he has such an encyclopedic knowledge of all of these cards and the archetypes that come with them and i think it creates some really cool frameworks that we can go into some of the stories that we interact with like and and ha- like enhances your understanding of them I, I just think it's really cool and yeah, I am the kind of person that wants to go and learn them all, but will struggle with that with my brain. <laughs> Same. I mean, I've got an interest in it now, but I can't see myself. I'd love to. Um, I mean, maybe I'll ask Lark to do it, but I'd love for some. I'd love to do it like somebody to do a tarot reading for me. I think that would be fun mm-hmm. or devastating or both. <laughs> he did say he makes everybody cry. Yeah, yeah. Do I want to cry? I, I mean. mean Always. <laughs> Maybe when I'm a little bit more <laughs> mentally stable, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll call it Lark yes. and ask. So yes, if you want to find Lark and especially his amazing tarot deck, he will have told you where to find it. But if you Google Under the Bed Tarot and Lark Malachi Grey, you will definitely find that deck. It is beautiful. The artwork on it is really cool. Yes. Yes, yes, check yes. it out check yes. out the gaily profit check out everything that hashtag ruthless productions do check out the fandom forward document that we talked about at the end Ooh, of the episode yes. because that is super handy and we loved chatting about it so yeah yeah absolutely Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Herd Art Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod, and you can email us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. 
If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not learning about Tarot from Lark, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcasts, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about cups, wands, swords, and pentacles, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings, and an even bigger thank you to Lark for coming on the podcast. And we'll see you in two weeks' time, and don't forget, keep telling stories, and all will be well. episode with the Kaylee Prophet is coming up on their feeds tomorrow. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs>